passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We are back on the show. It is John Pollock with you. And this coming Saturday, it is UFC 229. And a very, very significant person in the world of mixed martial arts is returning. And that is the, the second most important phenomenon happening this week. Because number one is this man's debut in the post office. He is Mark Raimondi, the deputy managing editor at MMAfighting.com. You know him from all of his great work. And Mark, it is a pleasure to have you here at Post Wrestling uh, to kick off Fight Week. Hey, Johnny, you said uh, significant person. I thought you had another guest on besides me. I didn't realize you were introing me. Thank you for that. Uh, great introduction. Post wrestling is, uh, I think you and Way are pretty much the only podcast that I listen to at this point. Oh, my I goodness. I listen to a lot of your stuff, and I, I, I'm running around like a, like a lunatic, but I always try to make time for, uh, for, my, for my John and Way uh, post wrestling fix. So thank you for that. Well, uh, big fan of your work. Glad that we could get you on here because you have been all over the place. And what's great about all the work you're doing is kind of uh, very much like what we do here is that you are covering not just mixed martial arts, but very much professional wrestling as well. And that was kind of uh, exemplified this past weekend because Saturday night you're in San Jose covering Bellator. And then Sunday, you decided to make the trek to Long Beach covering New Japan Pro Wrestling as you are just hours away from heading off to Las Vegas for UFC 229. How are you doing this, Mark? Uh, that's a good question. I'm not sure, but uh, you, you, you know how it is, John. I mean, you, you've been in the same spot. So we, we finished, we wrapped up about 3.30 a.m. Sunday morning after the Bellator card on Saturday night. Um, slept, slept for a few hours, got on a plane for 11, uh, 11.30 Pacific on Sunday morning. Uh, was home, we're, we were, I, I didn't even go home. I went right to, to my colleague Esther Lynn and, uh, and Casey Lydon's place, dropped off all my luggage, and literally 20 minutes later, I just splashed some water on my face. And we drove to Long Beach, California, for the New Japan show. And uh, now here I am in a in a in a lift car um, from a Michelle Waterson media media lunch. Just uh, I think we only left New Japan maybe <laughs> it feels like maybe 15, 16 hours ago. I don't even know where I'm at right now, but uh, it's it's been fun. I think the, I think the key is you just got to keep going. If you take any moment to rest, you're you're screwed. You you have to lay down for a nap. You just got to keep pushing through. What was your major takeaway from Saturday night's Bellator card and kind of just the presentation of a big Bellator tentpole event and especially this being their first exclusive broadcast on the zone and like a very different presentation than than a big UFC fight card in terms of the live event experience? Very much so. And and it felt like a big event. It really did in, in San Jose. And people who uh, who were familiar with the Strike Force days, and and I'm a little bit newer to covering MMA, and I was I was a Strike Force fan, but I never actually covered any of their events. People were saying that this was the closest Bellator has come to capturing the feel of what a big Strike Force event felt like. And sitting next to Dave Meltzer, of course, uh, the legend uh, himself uh, from 
Wrestling Observer Newsletter, who has covered so many events in San Jose. Yes. He he said that it was it did feel like a a big event. The crowd was really good, and and uh, it was look. I think that I think it was a home run for Bellator in just about every way on Saturday night. And in terms of Rory McDonald, what was kind of your conclusion coming out of Saturday? This test of his going up to middleweight, and kind of the, the question mark of of what effect it will have on the Grand Prix. And himself, I mean, that was kind of this interesting question cu- coming out of this whole thing, trying to keep this Grand Prix together and with so much focus on Roy McDonald of how fast he'll be able to come back for the John Fitch fight. It was a bit unexpected to see the one-sided nature of that fight. I think that certainly Musasi was the favorite. I-, I don't think anyone would dispute that. Certainly he was the favorite. He was the bigger man, but also he's incredibly well-rounded and, and, and he's got advantages over McDonald aside from just being bigger. So I thought he would win. I didn't see it being a completely one-sided, somewhat uncompetitive fight from the jump. So that was a bit surprising. And and that's a good question, John. As far as McDonald's psyche, it, it seemed like he took a ton of damage to his face. He has a, a terrible issue with broken noses. And I don't know for sure if his nose was broken in the fight or not, but certainly there was blood coming from it. Certainly it was damaged. And Bellator wants him to turn around now and fight John Fitch in the first round of this Walter Ray Grand Prix in late January. And it's already October. I mean, I, I think maybe going into the fight, that seemed like it would have been logistically reasonable. But now seeing the damage he took and 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 uh, I, w- I would say damage physically and also mentally in that fight because uh, it was a wash. I mean, it was he was really never in the fight. You have to wonder if January really is now something that he can be able to do. And it calls into question the whole welterweight Grand Prix structure because timing is everything. When you have when you have these first-round matches, they have to stay at least relatively close to one another so you can set up the next round and so forth. So it should be interesting to see where they go from here. Uh, plus, he's, he has to defend his welterweight title in the welterweight Grand Prix, which is crazy to me that he has to defend his title throughout the, the tournament. I was not a big fan of that. I thought they could have done something almost like the New Japan uh, Pro Wrestling G1 Climax where the title is not on the line, but if you beat the champion in the Grand Prix, you are, you earn yourself a future title shot. That was my that was my uh, thinking, but they didn't go in that direction. Yeah, and, you know, it kind of struck me after this weekend, you know, watching Saturday night, I signed up for zone to watch the Bellator card and then watching on New Japan World on Sunday. And this is very much where combat sports seems to be in particular boxing pro wrestling mixed martial arts they are very much at the forefront for a lot of these streaming platforms where it is extremely lucrative for these companies and and the money that is being spent on this product but as you look at the ufc about to enter you know a, a heavily streaming deal with espn there will be television representation for them a year from now mark do you feel that it's going to enhance the marketability of promotions like UFC and Bellator at picking up new fans or is this is a streaming platform going to be a, a bit of a barrier for entry for for newer fans that, that want to latch on to the product that's a really good question and and it's it's kind of the the pros and cons of this new streaming model especially something like the zone which is very very new in the United States and Canada uh, you guys have it up in Canada right it, it's it's available right yes uh, so sorry, you meant the zone or ESPN Plus? The zone, I know the ESPN zone. Plus. Is, is, yeah, yeah. So I, I, that is the big question is to me is, and and I know that Bellator, their their ratings were going down on Paramount Network in the states, and 
it, it was nice to have that infusion of money that 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 came with that streaming deal with the zone it's always nice to get paid for the product because previously they were on the network owned by their parent company so they weren't making any money they weren't they weren't monetizing their television quote unquote product and now they are so that that in the short term is a good thing the question of course is the new fans, like you said, are they able to get new fans, to get casual fans, to get to, to see their product if they're behind that paywall? Whereas in the past, cable television, someone stumbles upon Spike TV or stumbles upon Paramount Network, they see a Bellator fight and they're intrigued and they want to see more. And that's how you that's how you get gain new fans. So Bellator will have to do a better job promotionally to to get those new fans and, and maybe be creative with how they how they market their product. And the same thing with the UFC when they go over to ESPN+. Plus. Most of their events next year are going to be behind that paywall. They're not going to be on cable anymore. It's going to be harder for fans to find. And the, and the same thing, the UFC will need to be more creative with how they market their product. Because right now, they, they do rely on, on having those television commercials and, and promoting it promoting FS1 cards with other, you know, FS1 cards and, and so forth. So it should be interesting to see. And I do think it's the way of the future. I mean, it's, it's, uh, if you're, if you're a pro wrestling fan now, as I am, you, you watch a lot of things on digital streaming networks now, and it seems like MMA is getting to that point now as well. So we, we talk about, uh, UFC 229. And I think this is an interesting kind of case study is how big the the promotion on ESPN is this week in the lead up. Yes, the deal has not commenced yet, but this is a major major fight and I think that that's that's one of the hidden elements of the ESPN deal is that they actually are going to be able to offer a lot of these pay-per-views that they there's an incentive for them to be promoting such big events like this. Uh here as we speak on a a Monday night do you sense this being having the potential to be the most purchased event in UFC history on Saturday night? Oh yeah, it definitely has the potential to be, and I, I never really know how an event is going to do until around Thursday or Friday, and I see right. kind of our own internal metrics, and I see how everything is trending, and and then I'm able to tell you, uh, it's it's this year has been weird because there have been some some low numbers and there have been some kind of in, inexplicably uh, larger numbers than some thought, like with UFC 227. But normally I'm able to kind of tell between a few hundred thousand buys what a fight is going to do. So I will, I will probably have more insight on that later in the week. But as far as your point about ESPN, John, I think that it's a really good point because when the UFC went to Fox Sports and FS1 in particular – they were not there. Fox does not have the kind of there's no sports center for for Fox, right? I mean, it was on FS1, but that was a small network. Whereas ESPN has much higher ratings, and and when ESPN does have a broadcast deal with a sport or with an entity or with the league, they do tend to talk much more about that sport on Sports Center, which has obviously a good amount of ratings. So that that right there will help the UFC, where they didn't have that kind of pull with FS1. FS1 had their own sports center show but the ratings were you know b- bottom of the barrel. It was a brand it was a brand new network. Whereas this deal is a bit different. It's going to be on ESPN Plus most of it, but it will have the luxury of of, bet- of getting promoted on big ESPN and and Sports Center which is which is the hallmark show for really all sports in the United States. I mean Sports Center is still, you know, that that franchise show. There was a very interesting interview today on the Mac Life with Conor McGregor and it seemed like a 180 from the Conor McGregor we saw at the press conference a couple of weeks back. This was a very 
dialed in Conor McGregor, and he brought up a topic that I know is very near and dear to your heart, and that is the number of weight classes that are currently present in mixed martial arts. And stating his biggest concerns about being a fighter are the immense media obligations and the weight cutting that is that he has to endure each time out, that they need to have more weight classes. And that's not a new topic for fighters to be bringing up, but when Conor McGregor addresses a topic like that, it's amplified so much more. And it's interesting to see him get behind a, a case like that that just is going to carry a lot more weight than a even a Nate Diaz or a Dustin Poirier clamoring for a new weight division. Yeah, 100%. And it, it shows, again, that McGregor is so tuned in to what's going on. Even even when he's away, he seems to still be dialed into the current events, so to speak, in MMA. He was able to cite the Darren Till weight-cutting video from a few months ago in, in that point that he made in, in the interview, which I right. thought was interesting. I mean, this guy, nothing gets by this guy. It's crazy. I mean, in the press conference, he was talking about geopolitical issues with, with uh, Nurmagomedov and Dagestan and, and Chechnya, and he's able to recite facts about weight-cutting in MMA in the same way and, and, and events that have happened in the past that don't involve him or his team. It's very impressive to me. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, one, I'm definitely a proponent of more weight classes. I don't think that there needs to be a weight class every three pounds, like like boxing has in in some cases, but certainly a, a one sixty five pound division is to me a no brainer. I think there's there's more than enough talent in the one seventy and one fifty five to to accommodate a one sixty five, and it does make a difference to have someone like McGregor say that. Now, if if McGregor turns around and and he wins this fight, even if he loses this fight, and he pushes to to be the to be in the first one hundred and sixty five pound title fight in the UFC. The UFC will certainly listen to that and, and take it under advisement because he is who he is, and, and he's the biggest star in the history of the company. What kind of scene are you expecting for this press conference on Thursday? And given some of the topics that Conor McGregor has pushed, like some really you know, hot-button issues with, with injecting politics very much into this, are, are you expecting like a, a wild scene at this press conference amongst the, the supporters of, of both fighters here? I mean, how... Is there a point that the UFC had to keep fans out of Radio City Music Hall that they are not going with this Thursday? It will be open to the public. Yeah, pe- people keep saying it was a horrible mistake to not let the let the press conference last week open to the public. And I and while I understand that line of thinking, I'm also of the belief that they did the right thing because I think that they they needed to be very wary of of security uh, stuff. Um, on that on that <laughs> on that day in Radio City, I think that if you let if you let anyone in, it could open up Pandora's box as to the people who you who you do let in, who end up getting in. And I'm talking about people who may be rowdy fans of McGregor or rowdy fans of Habib. And I'm talking not not only just fans, but people who might be in their camps who are who are coming in as fans, who are who are masquerading as fans. Because let's remember, McGregor was not the only guy in that in that loading dock at Barclays Center in April. Mm-hmm. He had about 30 other guys with him. And where 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 are they now? You know, we we know that they're that they are ready and willing to take up arms so to speak to help McGregor in situations. So how do you prevent those guys from not interacting and 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 intervening in a press conference if if it gets heated, which you know it will. And and it did. It did at, at Radio City and it didn't ignite because there, there was no one there except for the press and, and a very small amount of people from each team. So I do wonder how they're going to control that on Thursday. The most important thing is the fight happening on Saturday. And any kind of craziness at the press conference on Thursday 
could be – I mean, it, there, there is a fear that it could – who knows? I mean, if something terrible happens, and, and hopefully it won't, it could affect the fight happening. And, and the number one priority for all involved should be that fight, both those men getting into the octagon on Saturday night. That, that, is, that is the goal. And if you, have to, if you have to make it a little bit less appealing to the, to the fans and less appealing to the media, I think that's okay as long as cooler heads prevail and, and, no, and nothing pops off. Are you expecting that there's going to be a lot of Conor McGregor this week promoting this fight? I mean, he, he was out doing interviews on Monday. He's got the press conference scheduled. Do you think that will be kind of what he limits it to? Or are you expecting uh, more of a push than, than usual? I don't think there'll be more of a push. I think it'll be, it'll be somewhat scaled back. I think you'll see the, the normal stuff during fight week. They're doing an open workout on Wednesday. I, I'm sure that they'll do the customary satellite interviews where they have like the, the, the you know, the, the, the two, uh, the two screens with both of them on it kind of going back and forth. Like you saw with John Jones, Dana Cormier, and you saw with, uh, you know, with, uh, with Connor and, and Nate Diaz. They'll, I'm sure they'll do oh, yeah, that the, type the of thing. The infamous one on the, on the money channel. Exactly. The money channel one. There have been, there have been a few infamous. There was the infamous John Jones, Daniel Cormier leaked video as well, uh, with that. So I think you'll see, I think you'll see, uh, that kind of stuff. But other than that, I don't think, it doesn't seem like he's going to be doing any like, you know, cable news or, or any of the, the, the tonight show or any, any of the, you know, the late night shows in, in the U.S. I think, uh, I think it's as far as, uh, like the mainstream audience goes, I think, uh, they're just going to be there at fight week. I don't think he's going to be doing uh, you know any any of those shows either. When it comes to MMA fighting itself, how does your site approach a fight of this magnitude as opposed to uh, a smaller UFC pay per view event? When it comes to people on site and just how much uh, resources you're putting into a card like this? Ooh, that's a good question. So, for example, for this week, uh, Esther and Casey are our, our video and photo team, and they'll be obviously on site in Las Vegas. I will be there along with Sean Alshadi, our other uh, editor and, and reporter. And we're also, we also have uh, Chuck Mindenhall coming in uh, from, from uh, Connecticut. Mm-hmm. He's, he's our lead, I guess, calm and, and feature, uh, feature writer. And, uh, and Luke Thomas is coming as well. So we're going to have a big uh, staff. Luke and Chuck are actually not coming for MMA fighting. They're coming for uh, Sirius and The Ringer, respectively. But, of course, they'll be doing stuff for us as well. So this is... Uh, we're, we're, we're coming in in full force uh, this weekend, and we're planning on shows, and we're planning on uh, just a, a ridiculous amount of coverage. Uh, we, were, we were up in San Jose last week, and we were able to go to American Kickboxing Academy, Habib's gym, and, and do some interviews over there. And, and those will also be coming out uh, this week as, uh, as Fight Week begins. Well, before we let you go, just uh, having been in San Jose this past weekend, and I'm sure you'll be inundated with this this week – Amongst uh, you know fighters you've interacted with and just the general tone since the the John Jones arbitration hearing, how big of a topic is this among fighters and skepticism they have towards USADA and like it just seems like there is an overall negativity associated with this this recent arbitration decision that has reduced his suspension. It's a big topic. It's a big topic because USADA is something that is literally part of UFC fighters' everyday life. They have to fill out whereabouts to, to make sure USADA knows where they are just about every single day. They have to do that three, three or four times a year. It's something that it, it, it cuts to the, to the heart of, 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 of their profession and what they do. It's, it's, part of their, it's not part of their like daily routine almost, USADA. You know you can be getting a call from USADA. USADA will be showing up at your apartment or your house at 6 in the morning. This is, this is a regular thing. This has, become, this has become part of the fabric of the UFC. So when there is when there is a 
an air of distrust when there when there is when there is skepticism and, and questions about how USADA is operating. These are literally people that that fighters are letting into their homes. The, these these uh, you know doping control agents, the, these uh, these collectors of, of urine samples and plus samples, they're letting these people into their homes. It, it's a big deal. Dan Cormier is very upset. He's not answering their calls. He doesn't want them coming to his house anymore. So I, I get it. I understand their their uh, their questions and their and their skepticism. And it is it's a, it's a big thing. And and I'm I'm not I don't I don't think uh, I'm not of the belief that you saw completely botched this whole thing. I do think that there are some questions. I have a lot of questions actually about about that process and and that 10.611 article in the UFC's policy about. Uh, cooperating in other cases what what cases john jones cooperating with you know how will we ever know what you know there's so many questions about about that the, the you know the quote-unquote the snitch rule i don't want to use that word but that's what people have been calling it so I, I i have a ton of questions and and if i have a lot of questions then fighters will have a lot of questions as well and again it's it, this is something that is is near and dear to them and and they want to have faith in this program and many of them have had faith in this program and now there are, there are questions. Put it that way. At the, at the very minimum, there are a lot of questions that fighters have about this, and people people have been asking me. You know, people have, have been asking me what you know what what this is all about. It's it's one that I, I I'm with you. There, there's a lot of questions and not a whole lot of answers. And we'll end it off on this topic, somewhat related, is the decision that USADA has now made that they are not going to announce any violations until the adjudication process has been complete. And I see the logic behind that. I also see the the inverse effect of this that I think there's going to be raised eyebrows now anytime a fighter has to pull out and it may be for a completely legitimate injury that you've kind of put this weird spotlight on anyone that is mysteriously pulling out of a fight that's citing an injury. Like I see that, you know, you've curbed one problem, but maybe created another in terms of the perception of some fighters. Correct. I completely agree with you, John. And and just to, just to be clear, it was actually the UFC's decision unilaterally to make this change. This was not a USADA situation. It was really just on the UFC side of things. And this is how USADA does. Uh, this is how they announce for their Olympic program. They only announce once the adjudication process is over, once the investigation is over, and the sanction is determined. That's when they announce an Olympic athlete's uh, suspension or, or, or lack thereof, I, I guess. But MMA is a completely different beast than the Olympics. The Olympics are every four years. There are MMA fights. There are UFC fights every single weekend. And as you said, now are people going to be wondering if a fighter withdraws from a fight and they say it's due to an injury? Are people going to be wondering, well, was it really an injury or, or did they get flagged by USADA for a potential violation? On that same note, fighters who are inactive – Let's say a fighter is injured or, or they have personal issues and they're not active for nine months, a year, 18 months, etc. Are people going to be one – and for, for completely legitimate reasons, they are just out of action. Sure. Are people going to be wondering now, oh, is this fighter – is someone like Ryan Hall who hasn't fought in a very long time? Was he flagged by USADA? Did he fail a drug test? Like that, that is how I see fans thinking uh, now. I, I think those questions will, will – uh, start popping up about fighters and and uh, the first case was kind of was kind of this week with Sean O'Malley who announced himself yesterday that he's out of UFC 229 due to a failed drug test due to a potential violation and he he announced it on his own they would not have announced that had he not 
So I don't know what the, the, the verbiage would have been in any kind of announcement about Sean O'Malley not being on the UFC 229 card anymore if they weren't going to involve saying him, saying that he was, that he was flagged by USADA. You know what I mean? Like, what, what would they have said about O'Malley? That he was injured? And, and would, so would they just outright lie about it? I don't know. And these are questions, John, that I, that I posed to the UFC after the article about this came out on ESPN, and I was told they would not be commenting at all to my outlet. So that was, so that was a nice thing to hear that I have all these very legitimate questions, uh, all these clarifications that uh, I'm not, I'm not asking for my own sake. I'm asking for the sake of, of my readers and, and for other fighters who also have the same questions. And, uh, I got a, I got told that the UFC would not be answering any of my questions. Wow. So that, that was nice. So, uh, the lack of transparency is very concerning to me. That and, and, and any and any anti-doping program, John, is I mean the 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 very the very core, the very foundation of a good anti-doping program is its transparency, and they are they are they have now put a veil over that, and it's it's disappointing. Well, that's very unfortunate to be hearing. Uh, I'm going to end this off on a positive note. Your my final question: uh, Sunday night, being live in Long Beach, California, this crowd came across as hot throughout this entire show. Uh, just tell me about being live in the building for this show, which I thought was one of the best U.S. shows of the year on Sunday night. The crowd was red hot from the very start. It was it was incredible, and uh, almost I mean, it didn't it didn't take much at all for them to get going, and they stayed that way the whole time. Yeah, it was not it was not as big of a crowd as the March show in Long Beach. That was sold out. That was that was an enormous crowd. But I want to say that this crowd was just as hot, if not hotter. It, it really it really stood out to me and. You know, I, I've now been to a, a lot of shows in the last uh, few years, uh, a lot of wrestling shows, including All In and, and, and a bunch of the New Japan shows in the United States, certainly PWG uh, almost every month. And, uh, and this, this really stood out to me as, a, as an extremely hot crowd, and I thought, I thought it was a great event. I thought the, la- the final four matches were outstanding. I mean, I, w- I would put those final four matches up against uh, any four matches on any other U.S. show uh, that New Japan has, has done so far, I, I would imagine. Um, it was, it was a really, it was a really good, it was, it was one of those cards where it didn't have like that big main event. Um, certainly the names of the main event were very good, but it didn't have that storyline. It didn't have that pull. Uh, but the actual in-ring action, uh, it, it delivered a hundred percent. Very cool show to be at, uh, live. Uh, so we'll wrap this up, Mark. It's always great, uh, getting to catch up with you. You can follow all of his fine work at MMAfighting.com, Mark underscore Raimondi on Twitter and Anything uh, you can direct us to uh, coming up this week to look out for, Mark? Well, we'll have we'll have some uh, some interviews, like I said, from uh, American Kickboxing Academy with some of Habib's teammates. Uh, some some interesting, uh, illuminating quotes and info uh, from them about training with him. That should be coming out uh, this week at some point, and and just the usual coverage of of a huge UFC fight week. We'll have again a big team in Las Vegas. We'll be hopefully filming a, uh, a live MMA beat sometime this week that should hopefully go out on, on Thursday. We have uh, my show with uh, Sean Alshadi, the A-side, that we'll be doing live from Vegas on Wednesday. It's going to be uh, – there, there won't be much sleep, John. We're, we're going to be uh, powering through pretty much all weekend and providing all of the, the coverage that fans have uh, come to know and love from MMAfighting.com. We'll, we'll send you some, some post-wrestling, uh, some coffee from the cafe at, at some point, Mark, once we get, uh, get that branded for us. And I need some of those G1, uh, the, those G1 double XLs. <laughs> I'm sure it's going to be a, a packed week. And 
Unlike the UFC, you are always welcome at this outlet, Mark, and we will always get back to you. Uh, and likewise, always great to chat with you and uh, have a great time down in Vegas. Uh, we'll be following all of your work, and it's uh, great whenever we get to catch up with you. Thanks, Alan. I really appreciate it.